Welcome to Within the Musician podcast. This show is a place of discovery for all students, performers, educators, and future educators. My name is Monica Williams. I'm a flutist, teaching artist, recording artist, performer, composer, and lifelong learner. Today's guest is Teresa Payne. She's a multi-instrumentalist, saxophone, concert, and world flutes, clarinet, and lives in New York City. She's a Broadway musician, freelance artist, and teacher. Today, we're going to talk to Teresa about her journey into music and about what it's like being a performing musician before and after COVID. Welcome. How are you today? Hi, Monica. I'm so good. Thanks. I love that you describe yourself as a lifelong, lifelong learner. That's, that's Aren't we all? Yes. I think all we have to be in order to be artists. I think if you stop that, you just... You stop growing. So this is kind of my way of, of continuing learning. I get to talk to cool people like you and put it out to the world. So it's like a win-win for me. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, we, it's been, I, I've, you know, I followed your, your journey on social media for a long time. We only met once briefly at the National Flute Convention, um, but that was a couple of years ago. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have this time to chat with you. Yeah, me too. Those yeah. are always, such, uh, they're fun. They're great. You get to see so many people, but everything's so like fleeting. You're like, hey, hey, we should get together. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So um, tell us, how have you been doing? How is, how, what's the vibe in New York? You're living, you're in New York right now? I am. Yep. I'm still in Manhattan and um, have literally been out twice since Broadway shut down March 12th. Oh my goodness. Wow. So, yes. Yeah. It, it's been, it's been uh, surreal. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, what was it like for you in March? Were you working actively on a Broadway show? What was it and how did you find out and what was your reaction? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I, I sub my my biggest gig is subbing for The Lion King, both on Broadway and for the tour. And so on the twelfth, uh, we got the notice that we'd be shutting down, and there was very little notice. And actually, that very night, the tour got their notice as well. So they all went home from the tour. The the company sent them all home, uh, drive driving or flew them home. And at that time, everyone said, well, there's this virus and we're all going to go home and isolate for two weeks and then we'll be done. So right. uh, we all, I don't think anyone, it was a, it was a huge shock. And I remember I have several uh, musician friends in my building and we were all, we actually were going to get together that night on the 12th. We had had plans to get together and we're like, well, should we? I mean, maybe we shouldn't if they're closing things down. And we're like, whoa, no, no. They're saying it's just, you know, you know, no big deal. So we got together and we think back on that now. And we're like, oh my gosh, that what? how horrific. We had no idea what we were doing. But we all got together because we were thinking the same thing. We're like, this is, this is scary. You know, we're, mm-hmm. what are we going to do for two weeks? Little did we know that you know, we're weeks. thinking, how are we not going to work for two weeks? How are we not going to do this? And then, you know, nine months later, we're still saying the same thing, but it was, it's really, I don't know, it's, it's affected so many people in so many different ways and everyone's finding different ways to get through it and to deal with it. And, you know, everyone's own journey is, is their own journey for sure with anything, but with this, it's very much so because when it first hit on the, the 12th of March, um, my husband, who also is a, a Broadway sub and Woodwinds player and we both went into fight or flight mode Mm. 
and we went for the fight mo- mode. We said, mm. okay, this is two weeks. And then within a couple of days, I think we knew it was going to be more than that. And we said, what, what can we do to survive? What can, mm-hmm. can we do to make this work? And we went out and we found more students and we found online concert opportunities. And we went out and found uh, positions that we could do online to just keep us paying the rent and, and be able to stay here, stay in New York, you know? So we kind of went into that fight mode and we did all of that at the time um, rather than take unemployment, which at the time we were kicking ourselves and we said, this mm-hmm. is stupid. Why are we working so hard? And we kept telling ourselves it's because we know we'd go crazy if we just mm-hmm. sat, sat at home not, and wait. Right. Um, and in hindsight, it ended up being a very good thing because we got into some really wonderful uh, virtual concerts and we, we both love to teach. So it, it's great being able to teach our students. And I'd been teaching online lessons for 12 years since Skype was in its infancy because, <laughs> you know, there aren't that many people who, who do what we do and play so many instruments. And so I have people coming to me from all over the world to learn different world flutes. And so we, I've been teaching these, these online lessons forever. So it was a very easy transition for me. And I was very lucky to be able to help a lot of people too, who were <laughs> terrified and freaking out when it all had to go this way. And I really just, I enjoy it. I think there's some things that are, that are almost better virtually. You can really, mm-hmm. one of the things I always say is that I can really get in somebody's face. I can mm-hmm. have them on the camera right up there and look at what they're doing with their lips and look what, you know, we can do things that aren't appropriate <laughs> one-on-one. And so it, it's really great, especially for when playing um, that you can do that. Something I definitely noticed as well. That's it's good. There's there is much. You know, you asked me nine months ago, I might have not been so inclined to say, but now after experiencing it, I see that there are some benefits to it. But you, it sounds like, did use this almost as the anxiety and the stress of this almost as like a flame to ignite you into action to to basically sustain yourself, but also to spread the arts because. I think the arts is needed, you know, at this time when this word, you know, essential came out, I think that, you know, artist, you know, I, I had this question, am I essential, you know, and um, are we essential? Is, is there a place for music in this world? Um, and I think the answer is yes. And I've been talking to a lot of people about this. I think it's a resounding, a resounding yes. And so to find more students, to find more ways to get your music out there, during this time, I think it's, it's a powerful statement that, you know, you can actually make, you know, lemonade out of lemons in some way. It's not the same thing, you know, you know, Broadway will return, hopefully. (laughs) Um, And it will, it will, things will get back to some normalcy. But um, in the meantime, you know, I think that this has challenged us in in big, big ways, you know, and I've grown immensely from this time period. And um, I'm kind of grateful for this time period because it has made me discover this virtual um, learning opportunities and a little bit more about myself and more appreciation for music, more appreciation for travel and, you know, all the things we take for granted. And so um, it sounds like you you reimagined yourself, at least for this time period, um, so that you can 
be an artist and be a musician during this time. So that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so what's the story for Broadway? It, when is the estimated date? It keeps changing. What is when is when will Broadway be back? When can we go and <laughs> and no one, see a no Broadway? One no one knows. And of course, right now we have a little bit of a, a gleam of hope and the light at the end yes. of the tunnel with a vaccine, but no one knows. And I, I took a, a quiz on the, the New York Times the other day of when when I'll get the, be able to get the, the vaccine. And because of you put in your age and your profession and everything, and, and it came out with there are 64 million New Yorkers who will get the vaccine before me. So I kind of went, oh, <laughs> okay, wow. well, I'll just, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. So I, I I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought it was June. Is it not? Did they change that? It's just an estimate or they just, just we don't believe it anymore. What, what they say. I would not be holding my breath for that. I mm-hmm. certainly hope so. Mm-hmm. Certainly mm-hmm. hope so. But no, that that's the official, mm-hmm. the official word right now. I know uh, right now, the only show I know that has any plans is Hamilton is hoping to open on J- July 1st to, I believe a 25% house. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's not very sustainable for most shows to be able to only put a quarter of the audience in there. So Right, yeah. right. But I, I like what you, what you said about the, when they started talking about essential workers, mm-hmm. that was oh, heartbreaking, mm-hmm. you know, to be called unessential mm-hmm. when we know what we do is crucial to people. Mm-hmm. And I guess the pandemic has let me know that even more so. I've always felt that way. And I, I'm in what I do for what I call the fun factor. Um, I, I judge what I do and what, I, what gigs I take. I mean, they not, my, it might be something that's not as high a paying, and I'll take it if the fun factor is high. Or it might be a student. If I, if I take a student, it's because I enjoy teaching them. That's, the fun factor is high for me. Right. So. I, I kind of take a little bit of a different look at it anyway, but one of the things I did before the pandemic was go into hospitals um, and oncology departments and homebound seniors and played with a company that's based here in New York that I go out with. And I loved it. It was one of the biggest parts of, of my the joy that, that music brought me was because I would go in and these people who are like going through a, a chemo treatment, they're sitting there all day, you know, mm-hmm. with, and bored and, and miserable really having to sit there. And I would go in and just, it would give them some time that they have one person who's not asking anything of them. They're not, you know, trying to stick them with needles or give them medicine or ask them if, if how they're feeling. I just would go in and we'd play and we'd talk about music and we'd talk about whatever they wanted to talk to about. And that really reminded me that music is essential. It, it completely is. And anyone who doesn't think it's essential it hasn't tried to shut off all music in their life because mm. they would find very quickly that it, it is. And right. luckily this company was able to turn virtual within just wow. a of the shutdown. Um, so we're now actually reaching more people because if you think about like homebound seniors and people who are ill or frail, they're isolated at the best of times. Mm. And so now of course it's, it's even more, but we're able to reach them. We're playing concerts for people through these, these zoom settings where there, there can be, five people in a concert there could be 80 people on a concert but we're and it's not just a concert we're not playing at them i play a piece and then we open it up and we talk 
with all of these people. And these are seniors. I'm, I'm amazed. I, I'm having trouble sometimes keeping up with technology. And sometimes they're on a phone just calling in on Zoom. But they're able to converse. We get to know them. We play. I play music with them. I, I see some of the same people every week. It's just been a wonderful way to share music. And it has, I have no doubts whatsoever that we are essential workers. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's great that they could, yes, turn to virtual so so quickly and and definitely. I think that maybe this is here to stay. I mean, COVID or no COVID, you know, the the elderly are a little bit more susceptible to germs and viruses and such. So, not that you know there is a thing to in person, you know, to see another person in human connection. But um, you know, there might be a place for that in that setting. What is the name of that organization? They sound wonderful. Called Concerts in Motion. Concerts in motion. We'll have to look them up. That's great. They're amazing. And, you know, and it's not just about the the virus side of things. Um, I mean, we serve clients like in Chinatown that live in walk-ups that when they reach a certain age and mobility issues, they literally can't leave their apartment. Mm. So even, even before COVID, before all of this. So we would go there and go to their apartment and, and play for them. And mm. now we can reach... A lot, a lot more of them, but also they're there with their friends because they're able to call in at the same time as people in their neighborhood yeah, or nice. friends or family. And so they're able to talk to each other. And if they didn't know each other, they see the same people at the concerts each week. Mm. And like I said, we're not just playing at them. We're playing mm. for them and with them and talking about the music and talking about all sorts of things. I mean, sometimes we talk about our favorite foods. It's, it's crazy what the music kind of brings up and stuff in people. And, right. and we just allow them to have a time. And, and so it's community and when we need community the most, um, you know, to bring, it's kind of almost like the thread that kind of ties it together. You can talk about other things, but there's a, a an experience and music is an experience. And, um, you know, this question, does music matter? It's, it totally matters. Um, right now we have technology, but I think it would definitely be felt. I mean, this is the time of year. I was just talking to um, my last guest who was a mental health expert, but we, this is the time of year where we go out, we see families and we have corporate events. We go to shows, we go to the Nutcracker, we go and watch students perform. We are doing student recitals. There's a lot of events and a lot of them revolve around music and it's an interesting thought what would the holiday season even be like without music um take the technology component away without that music that it's it's almost unimaginable that there would be um the festivities the holiday spirits uh that connectivity without music and entertainment and the arts in general the, all the arts dance music visual and performing arts. Um, so yes, I think that word essential, I mean, I, I got it. We, we get the idea. You need shelter, you need food, but it, I think it hit artists, you know, when we were like kind of down in, in, in a way. So it, it's good to reevaluate that word and, and what, and, and remind ourselves that we are essential. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's, yes, you need food and shelter and, but after you've taken care of your basic physical needs the next thing that people have always throughout history gone to is your mental and health your soul and that's where music has always come in i mean throughout mm -hmm. history the you, you know instruments have been around since since prehistoric times and right. and they 
we need it. I mean, people would back then were only interested in shelter and food too, and yet they had music. So right. that, just, that proves that we, our souls need it and we find ways to make it even when we're in times like this. And the music, like you said, the holiday music, it puts, it helps. It makes you feel like it's, in, like it's a special time. It makes you think of the memories of the songs that you mm-hmm. heard or sang with your family. And so these concerts, the, the world flutes are incredible on these concerts because mm-hmm. I can go in to like the Chinese population and play traditional Chinese instruments. And some people, they, you know, that just brings back memories. And even if it's not a specific memory, they hear the sound that just speaks to them because they've mm-hmm. heard it throughout their entire life. Or on the other side of things, taking them into people who have never heard uh, a pan flute before and you mm-hmm. play play for them and they're just intrigued. So we're opening kind of their minds. And mm-hmm. one, of, one of the guests had uh, this great comment the other day. I mean, virtual is never going to replace live. I don't want it to replace live. I want right. it to be a secondary though for people who can't be live. This is for mm-hmm. the audiences who can't be out and right now that's all of us mm-hmm. but before covid after covid passes knock on wood it'll be the same people who can't get out to the concert hall anymore so why should they not get this lovely concert and communication and and social time so this it really has been wonderful i've just become very passionate about it as you can tell because yeah, i've seen them grow and i've seen people come in at the beginning when we started doing this you could just read the mood people mm-hmm. were scared people were tired people were you know and this is the vulnerable population so they're all of us first were frightened and didn't know what was going on at first for sure but they're the ones that are most vulnerable they're the ones that are having their friends and their community members be hit the hardest with this so it's very frightening and when they can have an hour that they turn around and say comments like thank you for taking me out of covid new york and taking Mm -hmm. me to heaven for an hour well that's awesome Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that that's worth it that Mm -hmm. is worth the price of admission right it's, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing that you and other artists are doing to bring the music. I, I, I love that. I love that. So let's take it to um, a little bit more of your journey. Let's take it prior to COVID. What got you into the wind instruments? What You play so many of them. What was your first? So mm-hmm. flute is my, my primary and my first and my, my greatest love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started, I had kind of a, a crazy branched journey of how I got through everything. I grew up in, in rural Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So when I was growing up, I came home from my first piano lesson when I was six years old and said, mom, I want to be a musician. And, you know, it, we're farm town and <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere. So she just said, uh, okay. And she found me a teacher and she was very, luckily, very supportive. Um, but I never changed my mind. I don't, it just hooked me right away. But in, to me, when I was growing up, musician meant my band directors because I idolized mm. them. They were they were musicians. They were everything I wanted to be. So I went through uh, wanting to be, as a kid, wanting to be a band director. That was my mm. my goal. So I went to college to become a band director. Got my music education degree, and and a little ways into college, learned that that there was other things, and that 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 might not be my complete path. I did get my music education degree. I have taught. Mm -hmm. I enjoy teaching very, very much. Um, 
but at some point I thought, okay, I want to be a college professor. And so I started going that direction and I went a little further than that. And then I said, you know what? I want to be an orchestral player. So I just kept kind of branching off and going different places. And then as I was uh, taking orchestral auditions and, and got, I got into my first uh, small orchestra job and just really kind of thought, hmm, looked around and thought, I want more. I want to do more. Not, mm -hmm. not that that's not wonderful. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, 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 mm -hmm. But I'm just like, I know me. Mm -hmm. I need to have something to keep me motivated and occupied. And I thought, I'm going to get everything I need practice for this concert. And then what do I do for the, for the remainder of the week? So mm -hmm. I wanted to do more. So I was still, I was loving the job. I wanted to keep doing the job. But I thought, I need something else to do doing on the side. And I met my now husband, who was a, a multi-woodwinds player. He, and he plays, he's a clarinet and saxophonist, but plays amazing flute. And I thought, how, how is this possible? That mm -hmm. somebody can play so many instruments so well. Because we kind of often, or a lot of times, hear people not do them so well. Mm -hmm. And so that is, that's kind of what I was had this mindset as a lot of a lot of us do that yeah. doublers aren't going to sound great on on their instruments and he he did and it was the first up close experience i had had with wow this this is possible and how he did it was practiced all day long and i thought i can do this so i married him and got, <laughs> got uh, clarinet and saxophone lessons out of that and that's uh, a good deal yeah, yeah. good <laughs> yeah yeah and so I started getting into music theater before because of that. And I, in my young mind, I thought I'm going to be the first flutist ever to double because <laughs> less people came at it from that direction. Of course it is true. Not. It is true. Usually it didn't think about it that way, but you're right. It usually is the other direction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it does, it is a standout. I mean, I certainly, when you go onto a gig and they hear you play flute, they're like, Oh, wow. Oh, and then they hear mm -hmm. you play, play saxophone. And they're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> they, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it's not bad, but it's, I mean, I'm a flutist. I'm a uh -huh. flutist who plays clarinet and saxophone. Um, and the world flutes came along later yeah. on, and that just beca became the, the passion, and that took over everything. And I got into those by accident. I played a regional show of Aida, Elton John's Aida, mm -hmm. and there were some bamboo flutes on it. And I, six months before the gig, I called the music director, hey, I don't have these, but I have six months. I'm happy to get them, learn them. And this was a long time ago before really people were talking mm -hmm. about it much or anything. And he said, no, 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 don't worry. It's only a short bit. Just play it on flute. <laughs> Got to the first rehearsal six months later. And of course he said, you know what? I think I want those. So I overnighted some awful instruments off the internet to mm. myself sat up all night with a tuner trying to make them work and it was awful <laughs> the, the sound <laughs> the sounds that came out of me for that entire run were just awful so i <laughs> swore to myself i will never let this happen again so i went out and i researched every world flute that had ever been used in in a show in a broadway mm -hmm. show and of course that brought me to lion king so i got all of the instruments that had been used in lion king i met up with the late Kay ragsdale who was the original lion king tour flutist uh, and passed away um three years now mm -hmm. i think it's about about three years um and she took me under her wing and taught me the flutes taught me their history, spent time with me, and just instilled this absolute, not just love of the flutes, but love of the cultures that they come from. 
And so mm-hmm. I, I just really dove into it and I got all these instruments and started learning them. I started taking Skype lessons with people in Peru on, 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 pan flutes and I had a teacher uh, in China that I was doing playing Dizza with so I had all these these lessons I was taking and learning how to play them all and learning the history and learning the ornaments and fast forward a couple of years that brought me to New York and of course Lion King is mm-hmm. the show um, for world flutes it always has been mm-hmm. I can't imagine it ever won't be it's the, such a wonderful book with with 13 different world flutes on it. Is it 13? Um, I was going to ask. Cool. It's, it's 13 on, New, on Broadway and 14 on the tour. Hmm. So they just, we just do a couple things different. So yeah, the, the two books are not this exactly the same. So sometimes that um, it's, it throws me a little, like I, I literally got a call one day. Can you be to the airport in a half hour and be in Cleveland tonight for a show? Because there had been uh, an, an emergency. Hmm. Um, so I went, got on the plane and was uh, on the plane, had my book out with the tour version, trying to go through it and remember what all the differences are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so but I imagine that makes you stand out to, to, to be able to play all those instruments and, um, and have them available. Cause um, I love world flutes too, as you know, and um, I got into it from the National Flute Convention. I, but there was this one little table; it was like 2005, one teeny little table in the in the vast field of all these silver flutes, and I played it like almost almost like a toy. Like I picked it up, like oh, you know, let me let me try this, and like something just hit me. It was like, oh my gosh, this is so amazingly beautiful. Why am I not playing these? And then of course, you, you just can't stop buying them and learning them. So it is. Um, it is they they're they're great and they are used professionally and um it's good to know that as a as a player and um it sounds like to me that you just you really made carved your own path you didn't even go for a degree that was specific to you know being a multi-instrumentalist you learned this which is very inspirational that you just learned this as an adult what do i need to do what do i need to get to be to grow more as a musician. Um, and I think that that's like the true sign of an artist is that self-exploration is how can I have more? How can I do more? Which led you to Lion King um, of having all of those instruments. And one of them is like a pan flute. That's what it's like almost as tall as you. What is that? It's like, you, I think you, have, you said you have to like step on a stool or something. To, yeah, it's the, the bass pan flute, which bass pan flute. Oyo, it's, it's the instrument they use when Scar comes out so it's very mm-hmm. low and ominous and uh, it's five feet tall i'm 411 and three quarters so when i play it standing up i do i have to wear heels <laughs> so that's fun it, but yeah it's great and it's led me um i've kind of gotten i didn't set off set out to do become a world flutes um mm-hmm. i not expert, but expert. I was just going <laughs> to say, use the word. I'm not yes, sure. I'm not sure it is because like you said, lifelong, lifelong learner. There's always are, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say I know more about more, more of them than most people. So mm-hmm. expert ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's led me to things. I was, I got to be the world flutes consultant for Stephen Schwartz and his new show, the Prince of Egypt, which oh, just cool. opened, um, and on the West end, uh, in February. So unfortunately they had to close very soon after, but we're hoping for good things there. And that was incredible just to sit in a room uh, for an hour and a half with Stephen Schwartz and the, the orchestrator and the music director and just say, 
here's what you could do and show them all these great flutes and say you want a middle eastern sound here's this instrument here's this sound instrument here's what you could do with this and it was just I mean, if you would have told my me that I would have been doing that even five years ago, I was like, yeah, right. But <laughs> it's just led me to all these these really wonderful places. And these sounds, they speak to everybody because they're mm-hmm. so unique, but also kind of almost not primal. That's not the right, right word, but so quick to transport you to another world because you hear the sound and you're like, that's not something I hear every day. And that's why they use them in shows. That's why I use them in Lion King. They're, they're, they're mostly, you know, they're all over the place, different countries, but they all make you feel like you're in that, that world of Disney magic in the, in Mm. a different place. And it's, it's beautiful. I've I've worked on several different shows. One of the beautiful things about being in New York city is there's so always people writing shows and producing new works and stuff. And I've gotten to work on a lot of new shows where I can go in and say, Oh, you you have um, a Scottish. The show is Scottish. Here's what you could use to to make to beef up the the Scottishism. If not, mm-hmm. that's really cool. I didn't think about that. Yeah, so that you know, you're basically helping them kind of come up with the the voicing what they didn't they didn't know that so that makes that makes sense and it does transport you to a different world i mean i think that that is the um the great thing about world flutes is that you can it's very different you can play the same thing on a silver flute or an alto flute or in bass sound pretty good but it's not the same thing and there's in you know electronic there's so much you can do electronically but again not the same thing um if you can use an actual an actual real instrument or a real artist that's playing it. So that's so cool that you did that, that you're doing that. So do you play for, have you played for many movie scores with the World Flutes or anything? No, no we don't. I don't really do movie. Uh, it's not really, there's not really any studios here in New York. True. You're on the other, other side. Yeah. That, so you're yeah. more the live Broadway, the live Broadway. Broadway. Yeah. And I've done a lot of, um, yeah, commercials and, and little mm-hmm. things for pop artists and things that I record my little piece and it, it goes into the, the bigger product and, um, and uh, you know, you it, it's less of here's this that has me mm-hmm. and a little bit more of that. And most of it's been shows. Um, and then these concerts, I have my uh, Flutes of the World concert that I give and I have different versions that I, I can do by myself or with a guitarist or a drummer and, or, or mm-hmm. I have a version that I've done with orchestra um, so I can pre- present all the flutes out there with the orchestra. And it makes it's we've done it a lot of times as a family concert because kids love this. These sounds. Yeah, yeah. I, I never again, I never it wasn't I've kind of just kind of gone where the path has taken me. And, and that wasn't one of the things I anticipated was uh that kids would enjoy these so much. I got, was asked many years ago to play at a preschool here in New York, and it's a very upscale kind of preschool, and they just they hire people to come in and do fun things, you know, and mm-hmm. I thought, hey, that's great. I'll try it. And they said, okay, so one of our classes is zero, what was it, zero to nine months or something. <laughs> wow. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm taking all my flutes there's these babies in carriages and they had these carriages like strollers where there'd be five babies in there and uh-huh. they, the teacher would all be pushing them in and they'd sit there and I thought what am I going what am I going to do I don't know anything about this <laughs> as soon as I started playing a flute every one of those babies would just 
wide open eyes and hear it because mm-hmm. it's the sound. And uh, again, it's, you know, any music kids always gravitate to. Right. We I'm back to, back to that. It's yes. something in us that just it needs that. And babies, kids, they, they have no fear of real, of knowing that and realizing it. You tell me a kid who doesn't sing or dance, they, mm-hmm. they know it. Yeah. And these, these unusual sounds just, they perk up and they hear mm-hmm. them and, it, it's really wonderful. And then often with the little bit older, like a little bit older, these were like three-year-olds, they would recognize a sound because, you know, we're, we're in New York. There's, there's so many different heritages all coming together here. And someone would hear one and they're like, my grandma has one of those. And it was somebody who doesn't, doesn't live here. They, they were a grandparent who lived in India mm-hmm. and they knew the sound because they'd heard it before which is beautiful. It's a way to connect to the, them, to their culture and their heritage, but right. also to, to show them that, that we are too. Mm. Yeah. That we all understand it, that we're all together and, you know, right. Are, are all over the world. Yeah. That, that's so very cool. So what kind of advice would you give to, let's say a college student that thinks that they have an inkling that I would love to play in live Broadway shows. What, what kind of advice would you offer to them? What kind of career path you've taken your own very personal route. If you had it to do over again and you knew your destination, would you do anything differently? And what advice would you give to the young? I honestly wouldn't change anything just because I'm a true believer in everything brings us to who we are and what we are. And, and I'm, I've had my fair of, fair share of not so goods even before even before 2020 um but i wouldn't trade them because they made me i feel like how i've reacted to 2020 yes. wouldn't have been able to be in, been there if i hadn't had some of those times because definitely mm-hmm. like i said i went into fight or flight mode and for me that was fight let's find a way to make this work let's find a way to to be a musician even mm-hmm. even now mm-hmm. and that's kind of how i've i've always been because you know being a right. musician isn't okay, I will apply for this job and there you go. We're set for life. It's always fighting. It's always finding right. a niche. It's mm-hmm. always diversifying and doing this piece here and this piece there and, you know, putting mm-hmm. it all together into a career. Um, so I, I, w- I wouldn't do anything different. To my students, what I recommend is always um, do it for the love of it. Like I said, mine is about the fun factor. Mm-hmm. And I, I did a class recently um, with the University of Florida and their music majors. And a student came on and he was a music ed major and he said, I'm not the best woodwinds player in the world, but I just want to move somewhere where I'm teaching the band, being a band director, and can I, can I play gigs? I mean, can I make some extra money playing gigs? I said, there's gigs everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's gigs all over. It's just depending on what you want to do, to being ready for those. You know, you don't have to be the best ever. You don't mm-hmm. have to even be the best in town. If you're a good, good enough, conscientious enough, you know, you're a nice person to work with, you know, you're going to get those calls. Right. And if you're not going for, for Broadway, they're happy to have people who are going to be there on time and, and play well and be fun to play with and come into this you know community theater, wherever he's playing and be like, Hey, there's Mike. He's always a good time. And this is great. Cause that's why we do it. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to go in even on Broadway. You don't want to go in and sit down on the gig and be like, 
Oh, there's Teresa. Man, I hate when she's here. <laughs> you want people to say, oh, Teresa's here and to have a smile on their face. And right. You bring up a good point. I mean, work ethic and um, being pleasant to your colleagues. I mean, that is kind of is a should be um, not something that doesn't need to be said, but I, it does. It really does need to be said. And I love that you just, you followed your own path. So it's being like you teach your students to be true to themselves, to find their voice and study your instrument and the instruments you're interested in to the best of your ability. And then continue to be curious that lifelong learner thing we talked about so that you can find your place in the world and adapt. I think that if there's anything 2020 has taught us is that as artists, we need to be adaptable um, to the situations so that we can continue to get music out there in all these wonderful ways that you're, you're continuing to do it. So where can people find you do you have a website and tell us what what if do you have anything that you have coming up i know you're taking students um where can people find you and what what do you teach can you list off anything everything that you're teaching which is a lot right just say world fluids all world fluids you you have as long do you want to be here yeah Um, (laughs) yeah, my website's teresapain.com um, and it, it's Teresa. Every, you know, everyone gets confused there. There is an extra A, and the, there's a good story behind that. My mom, uh, when she was pregnant with me, had a, there was a foreign exchange student that was staying with my aunt and uncle who was from Spain. And he said, she said, oh, we're going to name her Teresa. And he said, oh, Teresa. And mm-hmm. she said, Teresa. Oh, that's beautiful. So she added an extra E. So it's T-E-R-E. E-A-S-A, so that people would know Teresa, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's how I got the name, so... That's awesome. And I'll put that in the program notes to the episode notes if you didn't catch that um, and you want to go to her website. So you're teaching by Skype and by Zoom and, you know, all the different platforms, I'm assuming. Yeah, Yeah, like I said, I've been teaching this way for for about 12 years, so it's, it's been a very easy progression for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I teach Skype a little bit. I don't t- teach a lot of Skype anymore. Mm-hmm. Zoom, FaceTime, I like. Um, mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, it, it's. I like the kind of no lag, and it really feels very mm-hmm. natural on FaceTime sometimes. Mm-hmm. But and I, I have fl- a flute choir that we meet on Zoom, and mm-hmm. we're rehearsing on Zoom. We're we've we'll be putting out our third concert pretty soon. It, it it's been amazing. It works really well. So it's a lot of a lot of work and mm-hmm. and everything but it's been great um to what do i teach uh flute flute clarinet um and then the world flutes a little bit of everything pan mm-hmm. flute deets a lot of chinese uh, traditional instruments bawu um xiao native american flute bonsuri penny whistle irish flute uh kena ocarina i would oh i love triple ocarina have you played mm. this no no oh i didn't my one of those yes. i love oh, i just it has okay. <laughs> chambers uh-huh. so you have three different places you can blow three different places you can put your finger so you're jumping around between the fi- the fingers you're jumping around between the chambers as you play mm-hmm. and it's mind-boggling and you'd think the three chambers would be like an octave each because mm-hmm. that would make sense. This is mm-hmm. C on each chamber. No, it's an octave plus a note. So it is my wow. wow. <laughs> That's super cool. I'll have to I'll have to explore that. It, uh, 
wonderful instrument. That's so super cool. And the one thing that, you know, I've gotten a lot from people that have listened, and I'm sure you've gotten this too, that I wish I would have learned an instrument. This whole, this whole, I wish as if it can't happen right now. The world flutes make a really nice starter instrument, don't they? Like, you know, you don't have to use, learn a whole lot of music theory. You can get into the experience of playing a little bit more so than a traditional concert flute or saxophone or clarinet. And um, so just a little plug for that if you're a person who is wishing that they could do an instrument. The world flutes are a nice one. And I'm assuming if someone contacts you, you can help them find the right instrument too, right? You don't even have to have like, you know, that like a, a goal in mind or an instrument in mind, just, you know, a, an email and, hey, I'd like to play. I'm sure you'd find a good a good fit for them, right? Definitely, yeah. definitely. And one of the instruments that I've found has been great for what you're talking about, like both for, for young kids, and I found this by accident, but also for uh, for like retirees who have said, oh, I always wanted to play an instrument. And then when they retire, they have time and now sometimes more time than, than they planned on having. Mm-hmm. So pan flute has been amazing, like a Romanian pan flute, because mm-hmm. you don't have to involve fingers. Yeah, true, so true. For, if, I mean, I have one student who's, who's pretty arthritic and was mm-hmm. a clarinet player, couldn't play clarinet anymore. So switched over to pan flute. It's been magical because she can continue to make music and have that joy without having to worry about fingers. Um, and yet the music, oh, pan flute just speaks, speaks to my soul. Um, and then it works great for kids too, because mm-hmm. same thing, they don't, no fingers involved. So I had, and I totally found that by accident. I had a um, a five-year-old student sent my way by a, a colleague who wanted, he wanted to be a wizard. So, and he said, wizards play the pan flute. I, I didn't know this, but he, he, he knew this. So he <laughs> taught me. Uh, and I said, I've never taught anyone that young. And I, I don't know, but I'll try it. I'll try it. This, this kid has been playing now for almost two years and can he's an amazing pan flutist he's seven years old now he gets around the thing he knows music theory from I mean, he's learned everything he needed to learn and he could go on and play a, another instrument now and and pick it up so much easier because of having this background that you can't you know you can't there aren't very many five-year-olds that you can give a, a silver flute to and, right. and be very comfortable let alone be playing you know mozart by mm-hmm so it's it's really been great for both those those interesting levels. yeah that's great so lots of options with world flutes and um yes that's hopefully um some people will take you up on that offer okay let's end with a couple lightning round questions i like to like to end with some lightning round questions um fill in the blank lizzo is a flutist <laughs> she is and she's awesome <laughs> good to you know that. yes no, I, I i like that because um because I think sometimes pe- people say, oh, she's, she's, I, I, she's a real flutist. She is. <laughs> the good point. Yes. It's not just like a, an auxiliary instrument. She's, she's, she's a great flutist. Longest rehearsal you ever had? Tech rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Tech rehearsals for shows that are non-union. <laughs> Back in the day, there were some that we, we would get in there and we would be there till two, three o'clock in the morning before they released the orchestra. So yeah, that made me very much appreciate our unions. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, if money was not a factor, what is one musical thing you would buy yourself that you don't already have? Ooh, oh, that's a you good know, one. <laughs> mm. um, I have, well, I have, I want a 
a chromatic set of cana, but I think mm. even more than that, I would like um, a bass recorder. There's a certain type of bass recorder, which I'm blanking on the name right now. It starts with PR. It's a German company. They have these square keys, but it has all these extended technique things you can play on it. And that, that, that's been on my uh, wish list for a long time. So I think I'd buy that. That's, a, that's very cool. I think I get myself a contrabass. Get that yeah. one too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been really fun. Um, and thank you so much for taking some time out to to chat with us and share inspiration and your journey and a little bit of um, uh, a slice of what it's like in New York right now. And I I have hopes that things will return to normal with like a vengeance. And maybe that 25% that they fill it with will be like people will pay you know, be lining up the door and be paying um, four times as much so that we can make up for all this lost time that we've experienced during 2020. So um, thank you very much. I will put all of the contact information for Teresa in the program notes so you can look for that. Thank you. That's great. Thank you so much, Monica. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed this show, I would be grateful if you could like, share, subscribe, or review if you're on Apple Podcasts. This will help us out in the algorithms and help us to reach more listeners so the podcast can be found more easily. Until next week, bye-bye.